The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. It's a look at the headlines, the great moments, the numbers, and the love and nostalgia that make us baseball fans. This is Box Score Heroes. Hey everybody, it's me, Ken Napsok, for a 13th edition of Box Score Heroes, the main show here, and we're going to just do this one a little different. Off the cuff, on the fly, we're just going to talk some baseball. Happy to report, it's sometimes been a little difficult for me this past season, uh, and many of the past few seasons, to be honest, to just sit down and, and watch some baseball, but I was able to do so the first week of these really abnormal but really fun baseball playoffs, and I gotta say... It has truly been just rewarding to really catch up with the spirit of baseball and the fun and the passion of postseason baseball, the drama, each pitch making a difference, each at-bat making a difference. I just really love that, and it's fun. No matter if there's fans in the crowds or not or families watching from booths way up above, it's just been fun. A little different. Can't wait for it to get back to normal. But we're here, and I'm excited, and let's... Let's look back. I, I no power rankings this week. None of that. I just want to look back at the uh, series we already got. Uh, and then the second half of the show, we'll look ahead. We're also going to pay uh, our respects to two baseball fixtures and legends that passed away this week. Out in the American League, Blue Jays and Rays. Uh, George Harrison once sang about Blue Jay Way. This was not the Blue Jay way. But look, they got in, they got there, the players got to feel what it was to earn the playoff berth, to work for it, and to feel the postseason pressure. A lot of those young players making up the Blue Jays roster. Uh, I think, um, I imagine the format's going to change next year. It's going to be a little harder to get back in, um, but I think they can do it. I think they got a young core. I'm a Yankee fan. As you all know, you're tired of me saying it. I know, but I'm a Yankee fan. I look at the Blue Jays and I, I, I fear them a bit. I would not have wanted to play them in a short series. The Rays did, the number one seed, and they did sweep them in two. And this is what I love about Tampa Tampa Bay. Quietly, the best team in the American League. And that's with the Yankees locked and loaded. The A's, the White Sox, locked and loaded as well. Big teams, big offenses, big arms. And there's the Tampa Bay Rays just showing up. Kevin Cash, their manager, them figuring out how to win. Uh, Kind of an all-for-one type of vibe there. So the Rays move forward where they will face my New York Yankees. Hello, Cleveland fans. I'm sorry. It was was a tight series for a uh, a two-game sweep. It was a a tight series in that that. Crazy kind of, I mean, I've, I've seen crazier baseball games, but there was just something weird about that game too with Cleveland and New York. It just kept going. I mean, I thought it was, I had things to do and I was watching a little bit. I saw Urshala's Grand Slam. And I had things to do. I couldn't watch the game. I'll check back in. If, they, if the Yankees were going to lose, I didn't want to watch it anyways. And if it was going to be a nail biter, I don't know if I could take it. But then I looked up. Getting uh, sitting down at my desk and the game was still going. Not only was the game still going, it was like the sixth inning. It had been going for a while. Tune back then, crazy game, frustrating. I got I got nothing but respect for that Cleveland roster. Sandy Alomar Jr. is the uh, manager, interim manager with Frank Kona stepping aside. I love Lindor. Love watching him play. A lot of great things going on in Cleveland there. But uh, hey, the Yankee Indian playoff rivalry going back to uh, late nineties. Uh, that 97 series uh, just kind of, you know, 
still, I still think Jorge Posada was a foot away from a home run of the ninth off Mesa. It was, it, it could have been done. And then we come back and play a great series with the Indians in 98. El Duque kind of saving that one. Looked like the Indians might um, upset the great 1998 Yankee team. So this series kind of took me back to those vibes, those memories. And hats off to Cleveland. I will uh, try to win with class as a Yankee fan. We move on to face Tampa Bay. Then... Out, uh, well, I want to say out west, but mostly out west, uh, we have the Twins, Astros, A's, White Sox. And this was the bracket-busting section of my bracket. Uh, Looking at what I predicted last week, and not only predicted here on the show, but put down in my MLB.com bracket contest where I could win cash prizes. Uh, Daddy really needed a new pair of shoes. I was like, let's do this. Let's let's go ahead and put, put the bracket down. Bracket busted and busted with uh, Houston winning and Oakland winning. Everything else I've predicted, not to uh, tip my own cap, but uh, everything else holding steady so far, including the upset there in Chicago out uh, on the north side we're going to talk about. But Twins, Astros, I feel for the Twins. I told you I thought they might go far. I I, I looked at them and I thought uh, this could be their year. It's just been a long time now. A long time now that the Twins have put... Great teams out there, exciting teams, powerful teams. Last year's team was just an impressive collection of home run hitters. And this year I thought they, they had the additional pitching. It just didn't work. Two, nothing. Look, it's a weird series. It's a weird set. It's quick. It's in. It's out. Anything can happen. A seven-game series might have been different. Five-game series, this might have been different. Uh, I, I, I feel bad for Minnesota, but we don't want to take anything away from the Houston Astros, all right? I'll make a trash can joke every now and then. I'm not above that, and you shouldn't be either. They came in under 500. They came in hated, and the Astros have rallied. Dusty Baker leading that ship, and they got there. They did it. Are they going to go far, or do they have the type of motivation to go to the end? It's possible. Look at this. I'll say this. I've seen the statistics. I get the statistics of them without help and them now, and they are different. I understand completely, but these are still good baseball players out there. They still know what they're doing. And when it's on, uh, the game's on the line and some of these guys, Correa, Abreu, Brantley are in the batter's box. I think I, I think I feel they know what to do. I think they said they have the skills. Maybe it's not as sure thing as it was before. I wouldn't want to face them. And if they're quite frankly pissed off, there you go. And I feel feel as though they are a little pissed off. All right, we're here. We know you all don't think we can do anything. We all know you're rooting against us. Even the players on the other team actively rooting against those Astros, right? Well, they're motivated. And they got past the Twins, a good ball club. They move on where they uh, will face the Oakland A's. A's, White Sox, when I was uh, doing the predicting, I predicted the White Sox to actually go all the way to the World Series to win. The White Sox were my World Series prediction winner, and they're gone. They were the seventh seed, the Twins the number two seed, but I think they were the most evenly matched of the first-round teams, uh, especially in the American League, and A's play well. They they were one of the hottest teams early on in this short season. Don't forget that. White Sox kind of uh, ended up where a lot of people thought they would be. They got a great lineup. 
A lot going on there. And, uh, you know, I was watching that game. It was 2 to 1 series, the only 2 to 1 series in the American League. And uh, winner take all. I was rooting for those Sox. They came up short. And that, that's disappointing. Uh, if you're in the South Side, you got to be disappointed. I understand. But a good, good roster. It's in place. The A's go on. Again, the A's are just a great ball club. Simeon, all those guys, uh, Olsen. I love, I love watching uh, Olsen play. It probably helps that I had him in the uh, MLB The Show early on. I picked him up. You know, it's, it's amazing what video games will do to your loyalty in real life to players. <laughs> I like Oakland. And uh, we saw what happened the last time the A's and the Astros kind of uh, met. Well, not necessarily the last time they met, but this season would have got pretty serious. Pretty tense. So we're going to talk about that. Let's go look over in the National League at the series that happened uh, there. And uh, Dodgers, Brewers. Sorry, Brewers fans. Sorry, uh, box score heroes uh, listener. Uh, uh, Zach Anderson, uh, apologize to you. Uh, condolences. Hey, Kershaw was out there pitching like he has something to prove. Exercising some playoff demons indeed. Brewers, good ball club as well. I can say that about any of these teams. Good ball club. That's the theme of the day. These Dodgers, I didn't predict them to go to the World Series, but don't discount them. There's a team that feels, not that they're owed something, right? But feels that eh, maybe we've been cheated along the way. Uh, regardless of anything they have, may have done in the dugout themselves, who knows if uh, what else will ever come out. But uh, they got to feel like, hey, we're, we want one. We're, we, we, we deserve one, but... They know that you don't just get handed the games. You got to go out and play. And they played pretty darn motivated out there as well. They will move on to face the Padres because the Padres defeated the Cardinals two games to one, the only full three-game series of the first round of the National League. I got to tell you, I, I predict the Padres to go all the way to the World Series. We'll see if that holds. That first game, I had Cardinals win, a veteran team, Yadier Molina kind of leading them on the on the field. Uh, Matt Carpenter, a lot of guys who've been there before. No uh, playoff ex- uh, pressure. No 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 the goals. How to get there? I I had that. I just had that feeling. Padres lost that first one. I thought, oh here we go. All that momentum. Slam Diego. All the things that the San Diego was taking into the postseason gone in a poof in a in a blink of the eye because of. Uh, just circumstance, short series, great team, and maybe youth not knowing how to play in the playoffs. Yeah, that lasted about one game. Uh, come back, they come back and win the, the next two. It looks good. And Tatis Jr., uh, absolutely stepping out onto center stage here. I think he's got a lot of coverage this year, but it's one of those uh, can you get to the next level by, you know, the, your highlight reel uh, kind of going outside, uh, not just the West Coast circle, but the hardcore baseball circle. He creates conversations. People love him. And you know what? I am all on board. He had the big bat flip, and that was part of the conversation. We're going to have this conversation for a while. I, I, I get some of the resistance to these big bat flips, but I'm, I'm for them because I think they're different. I think they're different than one of the, you know, kind of, I don't know, the vibes we kind of had around bat flips just a few years ago. I was watching highlights of... Uh, the top 25 moments in the DS history. This is, uh, we've got, what, 25 years of this? Going back uh, to 95, the first time we actually saw it played. 94 was supposed to be the first year, as we know. And one of the highlights on there was the Jose Batista home run for the Blue Jays back in 2015 and that massive, angry, showboating bat flip. I think 
back then, and I, again, I watched the highlight. I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at Jose Batista. I actually have, I've had him on a fantasy team or two in my day. I like the guy. I get it. He worked hard. I had him early on. Uh, me and my friend Corey, Cohen, the big uh, National League only team that we've been playing in for 20 years, that league. And we had Batista when he was a, a pirate trying to figure it out. And uh, he goes and figures it out in Toronto. So I, to me, he's earned that. He's earned that. And that bat flip, I get it. I think I'd be upset too. I think I was kind of upset. Purity of the game, unspoken rules, don't show up. Look, I have a personal philosophy in life of act like you've been there before. I get it, but I also respect passions and emotion. I think, I think when people hear that term bat flip, they go back to incidents like that. And I think specifically the Batista bomb. And it was an angry bat flip. It absolutely was. Right or wrong, it absolutely was. I don't think Tatis and Acuna Jr. and all these guys are approaching with that. I get it's a little bit of showboating, but I got to ask to those who have a problem with it, what's wrong with that right now? In 2020, Major League Baseball needs some personality, needs people to shine through the TV screens. It needs them to jump off the baseball cards. They need box score heroes. And I think Tatis is absolutely one of those. He looks great. He's the highlights. Uh, he's, he's a good defender. I keep hearing that he's not a great defender. Derek Jeter wasn't a great defender. I've heard that the entire time that I've rooted for Derek Jeter as a Yankee fan, and I get it. Statistically, especially as stats get a little more robust, Derek Jeter wasn't a great defender. Others were better. But look at the highlight reel. Look at the flip. Look at the dive into the stands. Look at the running uh, throws, the, you know, the high leaping throws. Derek Jeter just brought a certain uh, aura and excitement to the field, and he was there when you needed him to be. And I don't recall in all the times I watched him in the postseason, I don't recall any giant big mistakes in the field. I recall quite the opposite. Him doing amazing things when the moment called for. Tatis might be that kind of defender. And that's an exciting type of player for me. Have him just be good with moments of greatness. It's all he needs. Offensively, he is on another level. Uh, definitely more power than a player like Jeter. We'll see how that uh, plays out for his career. We'll see if he stays at shortstop. Does he uh, be part of a new breed of player at shortstop? Does he find another position? No need to worry about it now. I love watching him. I'm all there for the bat flip. I'm all there for the energy. He is exciting. We need this. I'm telling some folks directly, if you're against him, get behind him if you're a baseball fan. Doesn't have to be your favorite player. But follow him forward. Follow players like him and Acuna Jr. forward. Have them bring their energy. Bring their moxie. Bring their confidence. Bring it. It's not the same bat flip as Batista in 2015. It's a player having fun dominating this game. Padres win. They move on to face the Dodgers. The other two series in the first round. This was my big upset pick. I'm not patting myself on the back too much, but I'm going to take it. Miami, the Marlins, two Games to none sweep over the Cubs. That's tough. The Marlins, that stat, they haven't made the playoffs a lot. They haven't made the playoffs a lot. But that stat that flashed upon screens when they defeated the Cubs, the Marlins, in their history, have never lost a playoff series. That's got to end at some point, right? 
you had like the Braves, the first one they've won in a long time, which uh, we're going to talk about that. They, they defeat the Reds um, two games to none. Uh, I was a little surprised to see that it had been that long since the Braves had won a series. The Reds, now that they've lost, they have not won a playoff series in a long time. If you keep making the playoffs, you're going to lose more series. That I, that, that I get. But it's just one of those weird stats. Every time the Marlins get the playoff, get to the playoffs, they just kind of had that vibe. They have that vibe in 97, 2003. Now we got more uh, rounds this time around. I get it. I get it. But it's just kind of fun. Will the magic keep going? I don't know. But I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for Donnie Baseball. I'm rooting for all 60 players or whatever that's been on the roster this year. I like what I saw. Fun team, exciting team. And, hey, Derek Jeter's at your front. In the front office, leading the way, maybe a little bit of his magic is uh, finally rubbing off. Final series to talk about, we mentioned Atlanta over the Reds, two games to none. Pretty cut and dry, though, Bauer. Uh, love him, hate him, and I think there's some good things about Trevor Bauer. There seems to be some bad things about him as a person. I don't need to worship everyone out there on the field. I get it, but he's bringing it this season. Great season for him, and he just came up short. And then he gets into the war of words with Acuna Jr. on Twitter. And there again, let them fight. Who cares? Let them go at it. Let Bauer be kind of an online bully. Let Acuna just show him up on the field. I think it's fun. Baseball could use a little bit of that, right? Didn't we love baseball in the late 70s with the Yankees fighting with each other? The Reds and Red Sox going at it. Pete Rose knocking people down, right? Baseball had an edge then. I'm okay with a little bit of feuds. Atlanta moves on. Atlanta moves on. In the second half of the show here, we're uh, going to get to what will uh, be coming next. But speaking of baseball with an edge, we have to say goodbye to a legend. A legend. Bob Gibson passed away, 84. Pancreatic cancer got him. Sad. It had been um, a fight you've been fighting for a bit here now. So... uh, Man, this one got me. I grew up a little bit after Bob Gibson. He retired in 1975. So by the time I was getting into baseball, he was already a Hall of Famer. He was already a legend. He'd been a coach for a while for the Mets. I remember seeing pictures of uh, him in in a Mets uniform. But he's one of those players you start reading about, you start learning about. There's so much to talk about about Bob Gibson on the field. Um. And there's a lot to talk about him off the field. When you think of Bob Gibson, you think of that 1.12 ERA in 1968, the World Series strikeout record. He started 34 games in 1968, completed 28 of them. He did that again in 69. It's a different era, I know, but those numbers are its just hard to turn away from. 13 shutouts in 1968. Part of his success along with players like uh, Don Drysdale, Mickey Lolich, Denny McClain, any of those uh, kind of uh, big pitchers from the late 60s. Uh, part of, uh, he's part of that crew that changed the game forever. They were so good from that 15-inch mound that the owner said, crap, we got to lower it to 10 just so players can have a chance. Carl Yastrzemski led the American League with a 301 batting average in 1968. They had to do something, right? They had to do something. Could you imagine... Some pitchers now thrown from 15 inches at 100 miles per hour regularly. Yikes. 
Led the league in strikeouts once, did Bob Gibson in 1968. That was the big season, the Cy Young and the MVP award, and a gold glove, and an all-star game, by the way. He also won a Cy Young award in 1970, where he led the league with 23 wins. Had a 3.12 ERA. Wow. (laughs) He was washed up by then, right? No, crazy. Crazy to look at. He also had more strikeouts that year, 270. Four. He'd have a couple more big years, but the injuries uh, started taking toll. Age started taking toll, and by 1973, he wasn't a top-of-the-line pitcher anymore, no longer an all-star, though he still had good stats, but it all came uh, to a quick end in 1975, 3-10, 5.04 ERA. That was the career on the field, one that began in 1959 and 1960, where he was trying to find himself. He does in 61, 62 makes uh, the all-star teams back then. They still had two all-star games being played. But Bob Gibson is also more than his stats. I was afraid of Bob Gibson. That was the legend of him. He'd knock you down. I'll throw at you. He's intimidating. He's angry. He's furious. Uh, A lot of that, looking back now, and you read some of the articles, Gibson didn't fully understand it. He didn't feel he was that way. He also said he... He squinted and looked in because he couldn't see that well. Scary thought, him throwing that hard with uh, impaired vision. Some of that is just legend. Some some of that is the story being uh, a little bit more powerful than the truth. And some of that is just an incorrect uh, misperception. Mm, Quite frankly, some of it might be uh, angry black man stereotype syndrome. Ah, he's angry, he's furious because he's concentrating. I think that's unfair to Bob Gibson. There's no doubt about it. He was an intimidating guy and had no problem uh, carrying that mantle into games. I wouldn't say that's the issue, but I I, I wouldn't want anyone to stop there, Uh, Bob Gibson. Ah, angry guy. Eh, There's more to the story. He's also important, I think, too, changing the culture in baseball. You couldn't deny his success, and if you have some kind of... Uh, ill-conceived and preconceived notions of a player based on their uh, looks, appearance, or the colors of their skin. Uh, Success can often change that, sadly. It shouldn't be the thing that changes it, but success can, and Gibson was one of the best. Uh, If if he was on your team, you you were rooting for him. And he and Kurt Flood were very key to changing the culture in St. Louis. Uh, They... If you ever watched the uh, Kurt Flood uh, stuff on Ken Burns Baseball, some powerful stuff of uh, the owner, Anheuser-Busch, not really um, knowing what players like Flood and Gibson were going through in a segregated America. Um, He just was too far up in his ivory tower. But as a nice guy, that's the story Flood tells. He, he, He was really hurt and upset to find out that Kurt Flood was staying and had to stay at a different hotel than the white players. Um, Flood and Gibson were part of that team, part of that culture, and they did talk about it. You can find some interviews, find some clips of how they they had to work through that, even in their own clubhouse. And they did it by reaching out, breaking bread, having daily conversations, being good teammates. And that slowly but surely won people over. I still think it's sad that you have to win anyone over, but that's part of the times and part of the culture. And Gibson was part of that. This is uh, when he breaks in in 59. We're we're only 12 years removed from Jackie Robinson breaking a color barrier imposed by the owners, mind you. That's always kind of overlooked. I do agree with the uh, uh, champion, uh, championing uh, uh, Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier, but forgetting, uh, you know, don't forget why it was there in the first place, why it had to be broken. But he did, and Gibson was part of the next generation. 
I think that's part of his legacy too. He transcended a lot of that. He became one of the best. He was one of the best. But in the end, thankfully, fortunately, he'll be remembered for the stats and who he was as a player and a man above all else. I uh, didn't get to see him play, but just reading those stories, seeing those highlights, seeing him fall off the mound after sending a fastball, blare it in to Al K-Line. <sighs> Scary stuff. I was intimidated. I was in awe. See you down the road, Bob Gibson. You absolutely changed the game. Also passing away this week, also uh, around the uh, yeah, age of 84 as well, uh, Ron Paranowski. Ron Paranowski was, to me, this is a generational thing, right? You just can't help what generation you're in. When I hear the name Ron Paranowski, I think Dodger pitching coach. One of Tommy Lasorda's right-hand men. One of the guys that guided Fernando Valenzuela and Oral Hershiser all through their career. And throw in Ramon Martinez, too. Ron Paranowski was a coach by the time I started watching baseball, but he, he should be remembered as being one of the best relievers in the game in a time, in a time when relievers just weren't considered good pitchers. They were failed starters. They were the guys dumped into the back end of the bullpen. Wait for the call. Wait if we need you. But he broke into the bigs in 1961, where he did get his only career major league start. It went four innings. Appeared in 53 games, got six saves. Back then, that wasn't really an official tracked stat, but now we know. Just a few years later, he would finish Fourth in the MVP voting in 1963, he went six, 16, excuse me, 16 and three. That's a 842 winning percentage, 69 games, which led the league, 21 saves, 129 innings, and 1.67 ERA. No matter how you slice it, hey, you want to throw a modern stat in? His ERA plus was 179. He finished fourth in the MVP at a time. You just did not consider relief pitchers to be great players. But there he was. He would go uh, from 61 to 67 with the Dodgers, uh, doing uh, great things in the bullpen. Never really had a bad season. Uh, 21 saves, 14 saves, 18 saves, 6 and 16 saves in 1967. But then he found himself in the American League with the Twins, where he would go lead the league. But now, uh, he'd lead the league in saves, and by now, 69-70 is when he would lead the league in saves, 31 and 34 respectively. Uh, that was now an official stat. Now you kind of knew that was a thing you could build to. The game was starting to change. He never made an all-star team, but I, I, he had a, a, a 13th place MVP vote in 69 and a 12th place MVP P vote in 70, that with the fourth place vote in 63 for reliever during this era, where later on players like uh, Bruce Suter or Steve Bedrosian or Raleigh Fingers would garner uh, headlines and awards, including, uh, you know, Bedrosian and Mark Davis winning Cy Youngs in the late 80s uh, from the back end of the bullpen. Unheard of during this time, but here's Paranowski starting to get votes. He would finish up his career with Detroit, go back to the Dodgers in 72, and finish with the California Angels in 1973. Then he would move into coaching, working with the Dodger organization for a very, very long time. 
it's one of those names that I just grew up knowing. One of those names because I was out here in, in uh, SoCal or the uh, California area that I would just see him sitting in the dugout all the time. I'd hear Vin Scully saying that name. Paranoski out to the mound to talk to Hershiser. And I'd love to hear it. So, great coach. Perhaps even a better player. It uh, doesn't get talked about a lot. Here's to you, Ron Paranoski, and again to Bob Gibson. We will see you in the field of dreams. All right, we are going to take a quick break here on Boxcar Heroes. On the other side, I'm going to revamp my predictions, or maybe I'll keep them the same. We're going to look ahead to the second round of the playoffs here on Boxcar Heroes. Hey there, everybody. My name is John Mariano, and I'm from the Feeding the Monster podcast feed. I am here to let you know that we have a plethora of shows on the Feeding the Monster podcast feed, and whatever you do, do not tune in. You don't want to hear from Corey Morissette, Jeff Hillbilly, Scripps Saunders, Mark Eden Klyer, Thomas Wrestling, or myself. All of our shows are hot garbage. They are structured stupidity, and they are not worth your listen. So whatever you do, do not tune in to the Feeding the Monster podcast feed. We do not want any new fans at all. Back to you. Hey y'all, what's going on? This is Kojak. I create music that can be found both on YouTube and SoundCloud, and now I'm a recent streamer on Twitch. So if you're looking for some chill instrumentals, check me out on YouTube and SoundCloud under KOJQ. And for some laughs, you can check my Twitch page under KO underscore JAQ. Everyone, please be safe, and thank you. Star Wars by Ken Napsok is a collection of little love letters to the greatest saga ever told, and a personalized copy can be yours today. Just go to KenNapsok.com and choose the Shop tab. There, you'll find options to purchase exclusive poster art designed by movie trivia Schmodown star Janine Bryce, a signed copy of Why We Love Star Wars, and collector Napsok file cards. Already have a copy of the book but still want an author's signature? Then check out the book plate package. Get a signed book plate sticker and a 3D printed keychain sent straight to your spaceship. Go to KenNapsok.com for pricing and shipping information. And so my moment of the week has to be the Braves eliminating the Cincinnati Reds to win the wild card series. The first time the Braves have won a postseason series since 2001 when I was 18 years old and had just graduated high school. That's how long it's been. So I'm excited. A credit to the Reds. They pitched the Braves very, very tough, especially that first game could have gone either way. But I'm glad the Braves are moving on to face either the Fish or the Cubs. And congratulations to the Yankees. I saw they moved on, so we're still on track for a Braves-Yankees World Series. All right, there you have it. That's our friend Eric Monroe calling in with his Atlanta Braves moment of the week, the big win. And again, 2001. First time the Braves won a playoff series since 2001. That just doesn't seem right. I know the glory days were the 90s. I I get it. But it just, right, every year you kind of, the Braves are going to be there, right? Atlanta's got something. 
I know every uh, everyone's got some ups and downs, but that's a long time. Wow. Congratulations to Atlanta moving forward. And yeah, maybe a 1996 and 99 rematch. I uh, could be interested in that. Yankees, Braves, round three. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Speaking of predictions, let's get to the second round of the playoffs. Let's see what Ken can get wrong. I got, I got to say, I got a lot right. It's not, that's rare for me. I don't do that often. I don't predict Star Wars movies and plot points and TV shows too well and Game of Thrones plot points. I just don't predict them too well. I like to learn what was presented to me. I'd like to dig deep into the themes. Baseball, I can't find the themes uh, of, of the series uh, when I make my predictions. I got to dive in a different way. All right. Enough of that. Here we go. Let's start out uh, out west. And what they're all playing in Arlington, right? Is that, I, I lost track of that. I think these series are in the Arlington bubble. And then we get the San Diego, LA bubble, right, for the other series. Um, regardless, neutral field. Uh, it factors in a little bit. Dodgers, Padres. It's almost a shame we're getting this one this round. Like, I, I'd love this to be the NLCS. Padres, just when you thought maybe they were overmatched out of the league in the postseason a year too early, all those kind of uh-ohs. Nope. They proved they belong here. The Dodgers are motivated. Oh, that word, motivated, motivated, angry, per- on, got purpose. All those buzzwords. Who do I have in this series? I think it is a toss of the coin. Dodgers might have experience and pitching depth. Padres got youth and momentum and perhaps a returning arm, right? Clevenger possibly going to come back for this series. I had the Padres go into the World Series before. And I am going to stick with them, at least for this series. I got the Padres going the distance, upsetting the Dodgers in this one. Whew, that, could, that could be wrong right there. I might have busted my own bracket right there. But I'm going Padres. Mark it down, dude. Over the line, Donnie. All right. Uh, Miami, Atlanta. Braves looking good. I love Acuna Jr. I love Freddie Freeman. A lot to look forward to uh, there in terms of, uh, you know, what they can do on the field. And in the series, Marlins playing over their head. But, hey, you got Sixto Sanchez thrown on the mound. You got a chance. And I think I think they're going to be overlooked. And, therefore, I'm going to do this. I'm going to say this. I am going to go with the Mi- – I'm going with Atlanta. I'm going with Atlanta. I just – it's too much. I want to say the Marlins. I really do. Oh, God, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, right? I could have busted my own brackets right here and there, these two series, but I'm going Padres over the Dodgers, Atlanta over Miami. It'll be good. It'll be close, but I think the magic will run out. Uh, the bottom feeders, their rallying cry, I think, will uh, we'll, uh, have to pack it up, but not without uh, a big tip of the cap for what they've been able to accomplish. Congratulations, Donnie Baseball, Donnie Manningly, uh, winning that first round with that team. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be close, but I'm going Atlanta. So Atlanta and San Diego in the NLCS, kind of a late 90s uh, powerhouse kind of matchup there, and I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say Padres to the end. Padres to the World Series for me. That's crazy. Unbelievable. I, I couldn't change. I could be wrong. Oh, God. But that's the fun of predictions, right? 
Out in the American League, Tampa Bay and the Yankees, they hate each other. They're staying in the same hotel. Maybe there will be a fight in the hotel lobby. Tampa Bay, New York, in New York, but it's not going to be in New York. Neutral playing field, and I am going to try to put my heart on the shelf and pick with my mind, and I think I think Tampa Bay is going to come in probably favored, probably feeling as though they got something to prove, and I think that is where they're going to make their mistakes. I think they're going to be too keyed, keyed up. And I think the Yankees, who also, let's say, have something to prove. But I think some of the big bats that have uh, come through for them already, I think a veteran like Gardner, I think a lot of those players, and I just think just Stanton, who looked uh, great in the first series, Judge, I think even even uh, Gary Sanchez with a big home run. I'm going Yankees. I think this might go the distance. It'll be close. There might even be a, a fight or two. It'll be fun. I'm going Yankees. Houston and uh, Oakland. I wasn't. This was not. I was. I was thinking Twins, White Sox. So what do I think now? Uh, I think there will be uh, some fights in this one. I think there will be some intensity and some tension. And I. I got to tell you, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston wins. But I'm going. I'm going Oakland. Plain and simple. Oakland, uh, just a deeper roster. Uh, I, I think they're 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 ready this year. So Oakland and the Yankees in the ALCS. Do believe that's a 1981 ALCS rematch? Yeah, there you go. Billy baseball, uh, Martin Billy Martin leading the A's back then. Billy ball. Um, all right, Yankees A's ALCS. Who's going to face the Padres? For me, a Yankee fan, can I separate my passion for them A's? If it is A's Yankees, and I'm thinking back to those early 2000s where the A's just couldn't get past us. The Moneyball teams always seemed to run up against us. In fact, that Jeter uh, flip, the flip came in and in a, it saved the series with the A's and the Yankees there for the Yanks. So it will be close, but I think the A's are going to get some revenge. I hate to say it as a Yankee fan, another ALCS loss, but I think this is uh, this is could be the A's year now under this bracket. So I'm changing it up where I was. White Sox, Padres in the World Series. I'm going Oakland and San Diego. And that is two great young teams out here on the West Coast. They don't get as much press. I understand that. But it could be fun to watch. And then I will go. What's going White Sox over Padres? I think by this point, the Padres will be the World Series champions. Mark it down, dude. Mark it down. Oh, you know, I'm going to be wrong. That's part of the fun. All right, that's it for Box Score Heroes this week. You can follow me at Cadnapsuck. Follow us at Box Score Heroes. Looking forward to a lot more content and programming here on the podcast feed and getting stuff back up on the YouTube channel. Apologize, kind of falling off on that. It's just the way of uh, life and workflows, but we're still here talking baseball. I'm glad you're listening. If you've got a moment of the week or just want to talk about the playoffs, call into the podcast via the Anchor app like Eric does and so many others do. Join the conversation and share your favorite moment of the playoff week or maybe it's your least favorite moment if you're a brewer fan like our friend zach anderson you'll get him next year zach you'll get him next year all right uh also i will say this if you are in the mood for some star wars comedy variety we got a show for you coming your way riley's cantina live on october 10th 7 p.m pacific we'll be live from el el sid on sunset strip in hollywood uh, but Mark and I and a, and a cavalcade of guests will be broadcasting to all of you safely in your homes. You can buy tickets by going to TicketWeb.com. 
Just go to uh, KenNapsack.com, click on the events tab. You get a link there as well. And uh, you can get uh, general mission tickets or VIP tickets. We'll get you exclusive merch and exclusive merch uh, opportunities as well if you want to add on some stuff. And uh, that'll get you a live Q&A. Some of the guests uh, who will be uh, coming on to the program, some live in person and some via tape. Uh, COVID restrictions kind of apply in there. Uh, we got uh, Josh McCuga. Uh, we have got the Wangers, Joseph Scrimshaw, Jennifer Landa, and uh, a live in person, Rachel Cushing, and more. We're not done announcing guests. That's coming your way on October 10th, a live Star Wars comedy and variety show from Mark Riley and myself. So that is it for this week. We'll see you after the second round of the playoffs. Thank you.